Hi, I'm Shannon, and this is So Here's a Cool Thing, a podcast that focuses on doing mini deep dives into my assorted nerdy passions. Earlier this week, the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife dropped, and I, along with many other fans, watched a whole new generation discover Ecto-1, containment units, and something strange in the neighborhood. Releasing on November 11th later this year, Ghostbusters Afterlife will be the latest installment in a franchise that started in 1984 with the original film. It's given us two existing subsequent films, an animated series, a video game, and a staggering amount of toys and collectibles, a lot of which I admittedly own. From the OGs, Venkman, Stan, Spengler, and Zedmore, to the badass ladies of Answer the Call, and now the passing of the torch to a younger generation, who will absolutely get some help from old friends. I think it's time to learn a little bit more about who you're going to call. In this episode, I'll be talking about the early films in the franchise and the making of them, and also their casts. I'll talk a bit about the animated series, which I still rewatch and totally love, and the much maligned, and I feel unfairly judged, Ghostbusters Answer the Call. And then I'll peek ahead and whisper all my hopes and dreams for afterlife. So settle in while I drop some hopefully interesting factoids about my favorite supernatural containment squad, the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters Ghostbusters, directed and produced by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, is what I think we can all agree a huge success and much beloved. But it could have been very different. Let me explain. The idea for Ghostbusters was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's fascination with and belief in the paranormal. You might say that's a familial trait. His father wrote a book called A History of Ghosts and his mother claimed to be able to see ghosts. His grandfather experimented with radios trying to use them to contact the dead, and his great-grandfather was a renowned spiritualist. In 1981, Aykroyd read an article on quantum physics and parapsychology, which gave him the idea of trapping ghosts. He was also drawn to the idea of modernizing the comedic ghost films that he had liked when he was young, such as Abbott and Costello's Hold That Ghost and Bob Hope's The Ghost Breakers. He intended it to be a project for himself and friend John Belushi. The protagonists would travel through time and space to combat a host of supernatural and demonic forces. It was more serious in tone and intended to be scary. After the tragic and untimely death of Belushi, Aykroyd approached another former SNL castmate to join the project. My boy, Bill Murray. Bill agreed, but gave no formal agreement, which was kind of his style at the time. With the success of films like Animal House and Stripes under his belt, Aykroyd believed that Ivan Reitman was the right choice for director. Reitman, who was aware of the film's outline, met with Aykroyd and explained to him that his concept would be impossible to make. He suggested that the setting be entirely on Earth, which would make the extraordinary elements more humorous, and if they focused on realism from the beginning, the arrival of the fantastical Stay Puft Marshmallow Man would be all the better for it. Reitman also wanted to detail the Ghostbusters' origins before they started their ghost hunting business. Following the initial meeting, the pair met with Harold Ramis, who Reitman had worked with previously, and he believed that he could execute the intended tone for the new script. Reitman also felt that Ramis should portray a Ghostbuster. So on top of everything else we owe him for, let's not forget to offer up a big hell yeah for giving us Egon. 
Aykroyd, Ramis, and Reitman began reworking the script, sequestering themselves and their families in Martha's Vineyard where Aykroyd had a house. Aykroyd created funny situations and provided the paranormal jargon. Ramis then refined the jokes and dialogue. They wrote separately and then rewrote each other. Many scenes had to be cut, including an asylum that was haunted by celebrity ghosts, which would have been so dope to see. The initial draft of the script was completed in mid-July 1983, with a third and near final ready by August. It was decided early on that Ramis's character would be the brains of the operation, Aykroyd's would be the heart, and Murray's was obviously the mouth. Aykroyd's original concept had called for the Ghostbusters to have a boss and be directed into action, while Ramis preferred that they be in control of their own destiny and make their own choices. This led to the development of more distinct and individual identities for our boys. Venkman was the cool, smooth talker, Stans was earnest and enthusiastic, and Spengler was a stone-cold intellectual. It's crazy to think of how different things could have been. Speaking of different, the cast we know and love could have been something else entirely. Michael Keaton was offered both the roles of Peter Venkman and Egon Spangler, but turned them down. It's wild to think that if he had said yes, it's entirely possible that we could have missed out on his Batman. Although he absolutely would have been a rad Ghostbuster, I think he made the right choice. Chevy Chase was also considered for the role of Peter Venkman. Murray was considered integral to the Ghostbusters' potential success, but he was notorious for not committing to projects until the last possible minute. His passion project, the film, The Razor's Edge, was fully funded in the hopes that that would secure him for the film. For the role of Egon, Christopher Walken, Jonathan Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered. Ernie Hudson went through five auditions for the character of Winston Zedmore. According to Hudson, an earlier version of the script gave him a bigger role, styling him as an Air Force demolitions expert with an elaborate backstory. Excited by the part, Hudson agreed to do it for half his usual salary. The night before shooting began, he was given a new script with a greatly reduced role. Reitman told him that the studio wanted to expand Murray's part. Aykroyd has said that the role of Winston was initially intended for Eddie Murphy, but Reitman refutes this. Gregory Hines and Vel Johnson were also considered for the role. Julia Roberts auditioned for the role of Dana Barrett, but it was Sigourney Weaver who attracted the filmmaker's attention. There was initially some resistance to casting her because of the serious nature of the roles she had previously played, like that of the forever badass Ellen Ripley in Alien. During auditions, she revealed her comedic background that she developed at the Yale School of Drama, she dropped to her hands and knees, walking on all fours, howling like a dog. It was actually her suggestion that Dana become possessed by Zool, which solved issues that they had had in the last act of the film by giving all of the characters a personal stake in the events. Weaver also changed Dana from a model to a musician, saying that she can be kind of strict, but you know she has a soul because she plays the cello. John Candy was offered the role of Louis Tully, that ultimately went to Rick Moranis, but he told Reitman that he didn't understand the character, and he passed. Sandra Bernhardt turned down the role of Janine, which instead went to Annie Potts. The role of Gozer the Gozerian was originally intended for Paul Rubens, but he passed on it, 
and it then went to Yugoslavian actress Slatvica Jovan and then became the androgynous Sumerian god that we know and love today. It's crazy to think that the Ghostbusters could have been so very different. But I think we can all agree that we really wound up with something wonderful. Ghostbusters released on June 8, 1984 to critical acclaim and became a cultural phenomenon. It earned $282.2 million in its theatrical run, making it the second highest grossing film of the year and the highest grossing comedy in then history. success of the first film, we get The Real Ghostbusters, an animated series that ran from September 13, 1986 to October 5, 1991. It continues the adventures of our favorite paranormal investigators, their secretary Janine, and the lovable snack-obsessed ghost who becomes their live-in mascot, Slimer. It gives much more attention to our little ghost buddy, eventually rebranding the series as Slimer and The Real Ghostbusters in 1988. In an hour-long slot, half an hour focused on Slimer and his friends, as Slimer haunts the Sedgwick Hotel as its reoccurring pest. In seasons one and two, Peter Venkman is voiced by Lorenzo Music, who voice acting nerds might know as the original voice of Garfield, which in hindsight is really funny to me because Murray went on to voice the fat cat in two live-action films, much to his chagrin. Not so fun fact, Ernie Hudson was the only actor who auditioned to play his part in the series. The role was, however, given to Arsenio Hall. Which is cool, but it kind of sucks for Ernie Hudson that they didn't let him play Ernie Hudson. (laughs) Poor Ernie. I would just like to go on the record and say that I really love Ernie Hudson. I think Winston Zedmore is awesome. In fact, he has some of my favorite lines and moments in Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2 was released on June 16, 1989, to unfortunately generally negative reviews. The softening of its cynical dark humor, to be more family-friendly, left a bitter taste in a lot of critics' mouths. Although both Peter McNichol and Rick Moranis were repeatedly singled out and praised for their performances. It takes place five years after our boys have saved New York City from destruction. The Ghostbusters have been sued for property damages and barred from supernatural investigating, essentially putting them out of business. Long story short, a 16th century tyrant and magician, Vigo the Carpathian, and some angry emo slime throw the city into peril, and the Ghostbusters save the day and redeem themselves. I was eight when this film was released, and I fucking loved it. It still makes me laugh and smile with every rewatch, and it will always hold a special place in my heart. Critics and the box office results, however, deemed it a financial and critical failure, and this is often cited as the reason for Bill Murray's refusal to return for a third film. It's generally seen as a poor follow-up and the culprit for stalling the franchise for decades. We wouldn't get another film until 2016's Ghostbusters, Answer the call.
A third movie had been in various stages of development for years following the release of Ghostbusters 2. But between Murray's repeated refusals to return and the 2014 passing of Harold Ramis, Sony decided to go the route of the reboot. 2016's Ghostbusters Answer the Call was directed by Paul Feig and stars Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and Chris Hemsworth. Original cast members Murray, Aykroyd, Hudson, Weaver, and Potts all have cameos, just as characters that are completely unrelated to the ones they played in the original films. The announcement of the female-led cast drew a polarized response and plenty of internet backlash. I, however, in the minority, as usual, thoroughly enjoyed it. Kate McKinnon is absolutely delightful and Leslie Jones is fucking great in everything she does, to be honest. It's fun, it's silly, and Chris Hemsworth as a himbo assistant is just a big old chef's kiss for me. I bought this movie on DVD. I have watched it multiple times. I get why folks hate it, but that's not my style, and that's not what I do here. So I'll just be in this little fan club by myself. <laughs> Although the film grossed $229 million worldwide, it had losses of over $70 million due to combined production and marketing costs, thus becoming a box office bomb. Plans for a direct sequel were scrapped, opting instead to continue the original series in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. So what do we know about Afterlife so far? Well, it's due to drop November 11th later this year, and it's directed by Jason Reitman, who is Ivan's son. It's written by Gil Keenan, Jason Reitman, and Dan Aykroyd. It stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things fame, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd. Reprising their roles from the original films, we get Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts. It's set 30 years after the events of the second film. It follows a single mom and her two kids when they move to a small town in Oklahoma where they discover their connection to the OG Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy. In the trailer, we see Ecto-1 looking rough. We're witness to the discovery of a well-hidden containment unit and some increasingly weird stuff going on. What am I hoping for from Afterlife? As a lifelong Ghostbusters fan, I'm honestly just happy to see my friends again. Venkman, Stans, and Zedmore are names and characters that I've come to cherish. I hope it's weird and fun and maybe a little bit spooky, but just a little touch of goofy. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Jason Reitman that I think will sum it up. Before I ever thought I could make a Ghostbusters film, the image of a 12-year-old girl carrying a proton pack popped into my head and it just wouldn't leave. Eventually, I knew who she was. I'm floored by the idea of what it would be like to find a proton pack in your grandparents' basement. What would that discovery reveal about who you are, and what adventures would you go on? I, for one, cannot wait to find out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of So Here's a Cool Thing. 
The Ghostbusters films are available on a number of streaming platforms, for free or a small rental fee, and wherever DVDs and Blu-rays are sold. The Real Ghostbusters animated series is currently available for free streaming on Crackle or for purchase by volumes on Amazon and Google Play. Peter Aykroyd's book, A History of Ghosts, is available at a number of online retailers and can also be requested from your local library. You can find me on the web on Twitter at So Here's a Cool TH1 and on Instagram at So Here's a Cool Thing. There's a link to my anchor in both of those profiles. I'm available on most of your favorite podcatchers, so please like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend. So until next time, I'm Shannon, and I hope you learned a cool thing. <laughs>